there, everyone. I'm Andy Kahn, and welcome back to the Jambase podcast. Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. This episode features an interview with Chris Pandolfi of the infamous String Dusters. Chris recently spoke to Jambase's Nate Todd about the upcoming new String Dusters album, Toward the Fray. So we'll get to that interview with Chris and Nate in a moment. But first, let's hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by SiriusXM. Watch a replay of Fish live from the 9th Cube special New Year's Eve concert presented by SiriusXM's Fish Radio. SiriusXM subscribers can relive the one-of-a-kind live stream or experience it for the first time exclusively on the SiriusXM app, available now through March 1st. No car required. After you finish listening to this jam-based podcast episode, you can tune in to SiriusXM Fish Radio to hear musical highlights with behind-the-scenes commentary about the historic performance. Fish Radio is available to SiriusXM subscribers on their phone and connected devices at home, including Fire TV, Apple TV, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Android TVs, and much more with the SiriusXM app. The unprecedented viewing event took place in the wake of the postponement of Fish's traditional New Year's Eve run at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Instead, the band performed on December 31st without an audience, but with full arena production. SiriusXM generously underwrote production costs to make the Fish Live from the Ninth Cube live stream free and to contribute to Fish's mission of bringing their community together to support those in need. The three-set Fish Live from the Ninth Cube live stream marked the first time Fish had included a dialogue with their fans during a show through social media comments and requests, which were viewable by the band while they performed. The show is part of Fish's Dinner in a Movie series, where the band provides a variety of recipes that fans make and then post photos of their results. New Year's Eve's lemon-themed recipes included guitarist Trey Anastasio's instructions for making lemonade when you get handed lemons. The Dinner in a Movie series has raised money through the band's Water Wheel Foundation to help nonprofits around the country and beyond. The Water Wheel Foundation raised over $300,000 from fan donations for six nonprofits close to the Fish community on New Year's Eve, bringing the total monies raised during the pandemic to over $1.2 million. Additional donations can be made at any time at fish.com waterwheel. Jambase podcast listeners who sign up for a new SiriusXM subscription will get three months of the SiriusXM app, SiriusXM standalone streaming service, for free. Visit SiriusXM.com slash streamfish for offer details. Don't miss your chance to watch Fish live from the Ninth Cube special New Year's Eve concert presented by SiriusXM's Fish Radio, exclusively on the SiriusXM app, now through March 1st. No card required. So I'm really happy to welcome Nate Todd to the Jambase podcast. Nate's been a, a huge part of the Jambase editorial team now for over a few years, and we're really excited to bring him on board to the Jambase podcast. So how's it going, Nate? I'm well, I'm well. I'm really excited uh, for my uh, first Jambase podcast. And uh, we're talking to you from your home in Denver. Um, so that's where you're located. And uh, you had a pretty cool experience with the String Dusters besides getting to interview Chris. Can you tell me a little bit about getting to go watch them shoot the video for the album's title track? Yeah, yeah. The The video shoot was really cool. Um, I, I really appreciate uh, the infamous String Dusters and their team, you know, sort of letting me be a fly on the wall for the shoot in Denver, um, which saw them working with the green screen. Um, it was really interesting to watch the band sort of build the visual from the ground up and perform the title track to their new album, Toward the Fray. Um, there was also a general buzz going on as the Dusters were getting ready to launch the second leg of their tour, which kicked off at the Mission Ballroom the following night. And uh, they also received um, some vinyl test copies of the new album while I was there. So there's a lot of excitement in the room. And I was lucky enough to get to sit down and chat with the guys uh, about the album and, and more. Yeah, man, that sounds really cool. And I think we can expect that video to drop pretty soon, too. So we'll be on the lookout for that. 
Um, you, you then also had a chance to catch up with Chris Pandolfi, who, who plays banjo in the String Dusters, right? Right, right. Yeah, I was able to uh, reconnect with Chris a, a few weeks ago and, you know, kind of go over, um, talk about the album and, and more. Awesome. Yeah. So I know you got to talk about the the new album, Toward the Fray. Uh, so, so what was the, what were some of the things you and Chris talked about? Well, well we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the sort of unusual experience of, of recording the album remotely during the, uh, the COVID-19 lockdown and mm-hmm. and sort of the new um, approach the band had to take um, as, for, as far as songwriting goes on the new tunes and and how to record sort of in that atmosphere. Um, right. We also talked about um, Chris's own uh, Osiris Media podcast, Inside the Musician's Brain, um, as well as the infamous String Dusters um, recent Grammy nomination for their 2020 21 album a tribute to bill monroe awesome man yeah sounds like you had a lot of fun with chris and the band um and and, and, you know i've heard the new album too it's terrific everyone listening now should be sure to check out the infamous string dusters new album toward the fray when it arrives on on february 18th uh so so let's officially welcome nate to the jam bass podcast and listen to his interview with chris pandolfi of the infamous string dusters which will lead into with a bit of the toward the fray title track to turn our timid souls toward the fray. Well, I'm here with uh, Chris Pandolfi of the infamous String Dusters. Good to have you, man. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Right on, right on. Well, you know, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about uh, the album a little bit toward the fray. Um, you know, I it seems like the the album has sort of been sort of a, a processing of the past few years in this country. Um, I, well, I wonder if there's anything specific that sort of um, spurred you guys on to tackle some of these issues. It's a great question, and I sort of wish that a couple of my bandmates were here, but I'll do my best to to answer for them because you know those guys are are more lyric writers than I am, but we've been in in enough pre-album interviews that I have a good sense, I think, of where they're at on some of this stuff. Jeremy has mentioned several times that the situation with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter was a moment and I would definitely agree with him where suddenly these issues that have always been there were really thrust to the forefront. And for us as, you know, white men who have, have really benefited, I think from the, a certain kind of place that we inherit in, in the society that we're born into all of a sudden there, there are some realizations that, things are not necessarily okay and that it's it's not okay for us to look away from them even though i think a lot of us have the opportunity to do that does that make sense yeah totally and 
And so suddenly things just got very real. And, and, you know, of course that extends outside just this, this George Floyd incident, you know, the pandemic was the beginning of, of something that really, I think has exposed a lot of cracks and flaws in, in sort of the societal experiment, if you will. And as we get older as humans, and I think we notice more, and I think we also feel maybe a little bit more responsibility to use this platform that we have for something meaningful and also just to express the things that we care about through song. Suddenly these themes started to be so relevant and kind of undeniable that we were writing about them. And that's been the change I think that we've seen is that I don't think that these issues are new. I just think that they are, it's really becoming clear that they need to be dealt with and that we need to be part of dealing with them as much as we possibly can. So, you know, we're just getting a little older and a little more observant and trying to keep it real. And I think, you know, use, use our voice in any way that we can. Very cool. Yeah. I think, you know, it's great that, um, you know, you know, artists and musicians using you guys using your platform to, to, you know, really address these issues and, you know, and like you said, you know, some people may not necessarily be aware, you know, and I think it's good to, to sort of, you know, put them out there so people can, you know, see, see what's going on. Absolutely. For sure. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I've read, you know, you guys, obviously we mentioned the pandemic and everything, but you know, I think you guys um, demoed a lot of these tracks, um, you know, separately. Um, and then sort of when you guys could reconvene in the studio, um, you know, I, I wonder, um, was that a different creative process for you guys? It was, it was under normal circumstances. We would really take a good amount of time for, you know, pre-production, what we call pre-production in the run up to an album. Pre-production is when we are getting together for, chunks of two, three days at a time, renting a house and just sharing music. It's one of the coolest parts of this career. It's a real payoff moment where we just get to hang out and just dream up what our, what our sound is at that moment, what this upcoming album's all about, how these songs are going to come to life. So we're sharing songs, we're arranging songs, which for us, I feel like is almost an extension of the writing process. That's when things really become kind of quintessentially string duster. So these are, this is the creation moment for our music. And normally we would put a lot of time into that. Now this time around, we didn't have that time. And the schedule dictated that we needed to take good advantage of the time that we had. So that meant, you know, getting together and spending basically a day and a half learning all this new music that we had never played before and then getting right in the studio. So that process was very compressed. But I think that we have had enough experience playing together, recording together, writing and creating music together, that that process went really smoothly. And you maybe could even argue that, you know, not having time at this phase of our career when we are so well acquainted with each other and how we think and how we play. Maybe there was a spontaneity to it that, you know, wouldn't have been captured otherwise. You know, it didn't feel like we were so behind and playing catch up. It just felt like this music was just coming to life pretty organically by virtue of the fact that there were good songs, but also that we just know how to create music together. So it was different, but it was cool. And we're really proud of the way things came out. Awesome. Um, I mean, sort of along those lines, do you think that 
how do you think that do you think that maybe um the sort of the different process affected the way the songs maybe took shape i mean it had to in some way we just didn't have as much time to to dig in and, and kind of see what's there but at the same time that meant that we really had to kind of let the song do the talking nothing was going to really have the opportunity to get too dressed up you know and i think that that that's cool and it definitely affected the process but wasn't necessarily detrimental to the process cool very cool um and then so i kind of wanted to dive into some of the tracks um I, you know, the, I really, I really like that the song called revolution was, it was an instrumental and nice. I, I, yeah. And I, I, I was, I was, you know, I was curious, you know, I mean, like, how do you capture something as complex as, as that, you know, as, as revolution in, in, in music without words? Well, I wrote that one and okay. I thought that the, the kind of like, cadence of the way that the three parts of the song lay out at the beginning has almost got this like march it's just like this really intense kind of meter and the way the melody and the rhythm interact and i mean and then it evolves and it gets to that like third part which is just this sort of like explosion and it, it has that just powerful intentional energy and for some reason that term revolution just it, it felt kind of like what that song was about it's really hard to name instrumentals right and but but they do for me and i write a lot of instrumentals i mean i've written you know the vast majority of the instrumentals that the string dusters play they all conjure a certain feeling or energy for me and you know sometimes there's a word for that and it's more apparent and sometimes there's not but this time it felt pretty pretty apparent and yeah i love the way that that one came out that was uh that's not the easiest tune to play so kudos to my bandmates for getting their heads right around that one i think it came out really cool yeah for sure and so you you kind of i think you kind of touched on it but so did you have did did something in, did it inspire the melody or did the melody inspire the title melody more inspired the title okay. i just had that melody going and i was like oh that's what this sounds like you know that's kind of how it went okay very cool i really like that i dug it man and 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 that comes across i think cool. that 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 Love feeling it. it really does it that was cool um you know and, and sort of along those lines i guess um you know when you guys were in the studio you know i mean like we've talked about there's there's definitely sort of you guys are addressing a lot of these issues was was there any techniques you guys used um, in the studio, um, you know, whether you were tracking or, or production to, that you, you know, sort of wanted to put in to sort of add to the aesthetic of the album, you know? Um, you mean like recording techniques? Yeah, like yeah. Like, you know, to sort of, you know, kind of maybe speak to the general theme or or, or even song by song. Well, I would say that we didn't have a lot of time for that this time around, you know, the recording process, sometimes you are afforded the opportunity to really have some extra time in the studio and try some things and layer some tracks or try like two different treatments of a song. Again, we really did not have that. And, and that was okay because I think ultimately what, what we were after on this one was just a, a pretty, clean representation of what the band sounds like a natural sound you know and 
And that's really cool. That really works for a band like ours because, you know, bluegrass is so contingent on the tone and the sound of these amazing, you know, old instruments. You know, I've got, I, I collect old banjos from the 1930s. So, you know, I'm playing a, a 1930 Gibson master tone and it just capturing what that thing does. You know, it's not really about modifying that capturing what that thing does and the experience that I have playing it. And then again, same for all my bandmates. And then with all the singing, it's like, we play this really cool kind of music that just exists acoustically in the room. You don't need amps. You don't need a PA. You don't need a stage. You just need the instruments and the humans, you know, the voice. So a lot of what you learn is just how you want to sound and how to sound good. And capturing that as clean you know cleanly and accurately as possible i think you know that's for, for a band like ours oftentimes what can make the most evocative music so that's kind of what we were after on this recording hmm, that's very cool i like that i like just like sort of letting the letting the instruments speak you know oh and, yeah and, for sure you know and and setting up you know you know micing them real good and 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 just letting them letting them do the talking that's that's, that's awesome. the deal cool um but and then, you know, so we were sort of talking about bluegrass, I, um, you know, um, this kind of a good seg. I, I feel um, there was one track with drums on the album. I think it's called I Didn't Know. Um, if, There's if, actually that, two. two that, with there drums. two? Yeah, but I Didn't Know is one of them. OK. Yeah. Um, was was there anything specific that did those songs just say drums to you guys or how did you guys make that decision? Yeah. The, the, well, interesting, because, you know, like your last question, I, I, those two sort of slipped my mind. I mean, everything else I think is just the five of us playing with no extra tracks or anything, but then for those two, we brought in our buddy, Mark Levy, who is a great drummer and a great ensemble musician, you know, his ability to blend, you know, understand the music and blend with it really well. is just top notch. And yeah, those songs just needed a little something extra in the rhythm department, or I felt like, you know, they just, they could benefit from something a little extra. And we, we all kind of felt that and we knew that Mark would, would kill it. And he did. And yeah, the studio, you know, it really, so everyone takes a different approach, you know, from like the purist who thinks that the studio should just be the sound of the band. And that's what you create on stage, you know, all the way to like, you know, Sergeant Peppers, which is just like, designed to never be recreated live. I mean, there's, there's no right answer to that question, but I, I right. really, and I do a lot of producing and I have a studio here at home. And I think the recording studio is such an awesome, unique opportunity to do something that you can only do there in the recording studio. And so, you know, never afraid to take that chance and add a little something to bring a different dynamic to the song, to the album. So that's kind of how Mark ended up fitting in. And he, he, killed it he did a great job right what what is you guys sort of relationship with mark uh, like how did you guys team up you know good question i've played with mark a handful of times used him for some sessions i'm trying to remember the first time that i met him um you know he plays with circles around the sun and and some of the the terrapin family band folks and um and so we just kind of run in the same circles and he's out here in Colorado now, which is where we did the record. So he was, a uh, he was an obvious choice. Right on, right on. Yeah. I remember Mark had a band called the Congress, I think. I'm, Cause I'm yeah. in Denver too. 
Um, I remember, you know, playing with them or, or, you know, seeing them play back in the day. That's yeah. very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, great drummer. I've been tossing and turning in my bed. The news just keeps replaying in my on i wanted to you guys just sort of finished up your fall tour um you know i know you got strings and soul coming up um but i was wondering um how did you you guys sort of um have you guys played a lot of these new songs live um and and what the response has been so we have not we have okay. not played a lot of them live we've played i think just the title track live and that's always a fun thing for us when the album drops to save the songs and then kind of just drop them all at once. It's like this moment where the show takes a big leap forward and there's all this new material all of a sudden. And it happens, you know, alongside a new album once every few years. And for a band like ours in the type of scene that we roll in with fans who come to see way more than just like one or two shows a year, when you all of a sudden drop all this new material into the show, the fans need to come out and check it out again. You know, even if they just saw you, it's like the show takes this huge quantum leap forward. So that's always a cool moment. And, and something that, you know, we're sort of building up to here as we get ready to release the record. But so far we've only played, only played the title track live. Okay. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Is that, is that how you, you, you guys usually do it? Wait until the album drops and then. And then it has of, been, okay. it has been recently. I feel like that's one of those things, you know, when you sort of grow up as a band a little bit, I mean, not that that's the right way or the only way to do it, but when you're a baby band, you know, you just like plays, you play every song, you know, right. And hope that it's enough to, you know, fill out two unique sets and that you can do something different the next night. Well, we have a ton, ton, ton of material. So in recent years, it's been no problem. And yeah, we hold the songs back and then the album drops and all these new songs pop into the live repertoire and it's just a cool moment. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. I like, I like that idea. You know, you know, you kind of, the, it, it adds some almost not drama or suspense, you know, and people are stoked. They want They want to, you know, they want to come here. You guys play that stuff live. So that's, that's cool. right. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I, I actually, uh, Chris, you have your own podcast inside the musician's brain, which is also yeah. on Osiris media. I wanted to talk about the podcast a little bit. Um, you know, what, what made you want to get into do, do podcasting, man, I'm a nerd. <laughs> and so I love to learn from all of these amazing people who are around our scene and I actually have been working with RJ and Osiris from 
before I had a podcast and RJ, RJ, um, his wife and I went to college together. So we've known each other for a long time. And when he was starting Osiris, um, you know, I've, I've sort of been lending a hand when I can and, and been an advisor to, uh, and on the advisory board. And so I've, I've been involved with that company for a while and love what they're doing and always had it in mind that I would start my own podcast. And it has been an awesome outlet for me. I'm gearing up to come back for season three. So I've been doing interviews these past few days again, and got some really awesome guests coming up for season three. And yeah, it's just, it's just a really cool outlet, a chance for me to learn and explore different things that are going on in our world from, you know, music business to music creation, to all these incredible, inspiring figures. And it, it's been really cool and I'm excited to keep it going. Right on, right on. Um, you know, uh, why, uh, I sort of along those lines, um, you know, when you're, when you're talking with a musician, I mean, does it, does it feel like, um, that, that it's important to have these conversations with these musicians? I think it's, I think it's, I mean, you know, it, it's as important as they want it to be, you right. know, I mean, I, it's important to me. I love learning this stuff, but I do really believe that there's so much more behind the musicians and the music that we love than we ever get a chance to find out about. And it's hard enough these days to capitalize on the little bit of bandwidth that you can expect from each fan. So you really need to make the most of that. And a lot of times that doesn't involve telling your crazy backstory or what inspired you to be an artist or write this song. But that oftentimes is some of the juiciest stuff and what really connects us to the music that, that we love. So I really wanted to tell those stories. And yeah, I think it's really cool important stuff. Some artists have a, a penchant for putting themselves out there more than other artists. And this is a chance for me to just help them, you know, get their ideas out there, their thoughts, in some cases, great old stories. I mean, there's just so much, there's so much to talk about. I'm always blown away at how quickly, you know, 45 minutes to an hour just flies by. For sure. Definitely. That's awesome. You know, I, I think, I think, like you said, I think it's important to, um, you know, kind of do hear the backstories behind that, because that, that is sure. oftentimes the most, you know, interesting stuff. And and the world of podcasts, I think, is is just the perfect place to do that. It is. Um, do, do you have any maybe like favorite guests? And that's going to put you on the spot a little bit or uh, like or no, were there I, any that really struck you? Sure. Um, yeah. O'Teal Burbridge really blew my mind. We got so deep into it that I, I broke that out into two different episodes. And, you know, we were talking about spirituality and he was talking about the time in his life where he just kind of discovered himself and the challenges that he went through to get there. And that's just such incredible sage knowledge from a guy who I really, really look up to. Um, both musically and as a human being. So that was a really, really cool one. I mean, there's there's been juicy bits of so many of them. I interviewed Chris Eldridge from Punch Brothers live at the Telluride Bluegrass Festival this past summer. That was, um, I think, episode 19. 
And that was a really, really interesting conversation. Critter is another musician who I really admire and he's, you know, a deep thinker and really works on just how to approach music and, and perform and, and be your best. And uh, I learned a lot from that conversation too, but I've got some really, really, I've already had some incredible conversations. I'll be trickling out more info on who these guests are for, um, for season three, but it's cool. You know, I get better at it as I go along and more comfortable in the role of, uh, you know, interviewing someone and also, you know, sharing my own thoughts when it's appropriate, but ultimately just trying to find the path into the deepest, juiciest stuff and help get that out there so the world can hear that stuff. It's just really, really good intel. That's awesome. So, so uh, can you share any of the upcoming guests? No, or, or I no? cannot okay. share. I cannot share just yet. I, okay. I've got, but but I, I can tell you that there's some some really cool names on the list and already some really really great conversations that have gone down. Awesome. Very cool, man. That's awesome. Um, so uh, you know, I wanted you guys just got nominated for a Grammy for your tribute to Bill Monroe, um, and that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And, um, you know, you guys have won a Grammy uh, for your album Laws of Gravity. Um, I wonder if you could just maybe talk a little bit about like, you know, um, having won, um, what it's like to be nominated again and maybe just your sort of experience with 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 that. Yeah, you know, Grammy Award is is going to be your best way to get your parents off your back from thinking that a career in music, you know, is uh, is not a serious endeavor. So. Um, the more, the more nominations you can stack up, the more street cred you get back at home. Um, kidding, sort of kidding. (laughs) It's actually, it's just crazy for me to think that we've been nominated three times that, you know, I have a Grammy sitting on my shelf in the other room. Um, it's just such an honor and something that will never get old. And this year to be nominated alongside Bela Fleck. Sturgill Simpson, Billy Strings, Rhonda Vincent. I mean, it's just, it's, this is great company. And to be recognized not only for your art, but also it is some measure of just kind of how legit and how much of an institution your band is, because you can't really penetrate that world unless you, you know, you've, you've really created something that, that works and that has touched a lot of people in a lot of sort of different places in the business. And it's just as cool to get nominated this time. In fact, this time is really special because it's for an album. That's a tribute to Bill Monroe. And I don't think like when we were starting out 15 years ago, bluegrass was not nearly as popular and cool as it is at this moment in time. So I don't think, you know, a a tribute to the founders of the music was nowhere on our radar screen. Well, fast forward, and bluegrass is really popular and people are just flooding in and discovering this music for the first time, falling in love with it. And they don't really know much about where it came from, but there's a really incredible backstory and it's a very uniquely American art form. It's very rare in that capacity. You know, there aren't a lot of forms of music that were straight up born here in the United States, but in the mid 1940s, almost out of thin air, you know, Bill Monroe connects with Earl Scruggs. And a new thing is born that there really isn't much of a precedent for. I'm so fascinated by that. I think that's just the coolest thing ever. And, and the music is not that old. When we started playing Andy Hall, our Dober player, he was in Earl Scruggs's band. So we, we were around for the first generation uh, 
founders of the music were still relevant and performing. And now they've moved on. You know, Earl's passed on, uh, Ralph Stanley, Bill Monroe, of course, a, a little bit before those guys. And the music is in great hands, obviously, with endless, incredible, inspiring, influential musicians and growing like never before. So it's really, really cool to see. But the point of all that is to be nominated for a Grammy for a record that is going to point people back to the guy who created this music, I think is something really cool and something that we're really proud of. so much for talking with me today yeah absolutely um, thanks for having me yeah really looking forward to uh you know diving into the the podcast and and getting it all um, all ready to go and um That's you know awesome. yeah we, we appreciate you guys thanks so much for giving us some love and um yeah new albums on the way and and lots of lots of new stuff is on the way so stay tuned awesome very cool thank you chris yep. appreciate it This episode of the Jam Bass Podcast. Expect to hear more from Nate on future episodes. Thanks as always to everyone out there for listening. And thanks to Chris for taking the time to chat with us. Be sure to check out the infamous String Dusters new album, Toward the Fray, when it comes out on February 18th. Thanks to our sponsor, SiriusXM. Don't miss your chance to watch Fish's Live from the Ninth Cube special New Year's Eve concert presented by SiriusXM's Fish Radio. Thanks to Jake Alexander for helping us put the episode together. We'll be back next week, so stay safe out there. Go see live music.